Okay guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast. Click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast. And once you get there, you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level. You're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and, and help us out. Again, anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast. Click on support this podcast. All right. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Oh, I just it just keeps zooming through my brain. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, it hurts. So um <laughs> so real <laughs> Oh man, it's there again. We're going to get this thing started. Uh, the first thing I need to do is figure out what episode this is. So this is season 5, episode 4. Welcome Thomas Sturgill. Thank you. Welcome Joe Nolan. Thank you. Uh Sensei Joe. And uh so I I first want to start this out with uh you know, so a couple of episodes ago, we had uh, Natasha Sanyanovich mm-hmm. on, uh, and that was a really cool. Are you familiar with her at all? Mm-hmm. No. She does. Um, she's a. Uh, she does the afternoon news on WPLN Public Radio here, and you know, cool story, right? Like she's comes from a background of being you know film writer and critic and all lived these other in, things. Uh, lived in Italy for a long mm-hmm. time. Lived in Rome and all this. Uh, and so it's funny because we were having this whole conversation with her about. Uh, her kind of um, perpetual wanderlust, you know, of uh, you know, travel and all these things that she's done, and uh, and the whole time, you know, she's talking about how how hard or not hard, how challenging it is to do do the news, the hard news mm. every day, and and be in this kind of programmatic mindset of mm. you know, I'm I'm standing in the room, I've had to go through all these things, it's live, I got to make this happen, and it's every day, and it's a you know, this kind of grind. And so I was sort of constantly in my mind trying to reconcile sort of what she was talking about versus sort of her background as we were talking to her. Um, well, I just found out today that she's uh, going to be leaving WPLN. Joe? I didn't know that. Is that official news? Can we talk about that? Um, I mean, it's she's she's mentioned it on the uh, the. Is on it the hard Twitter news sphere. or soft news? Yeah, right. It's medium. <laughs> it's plush. I think that's news about the media is automatically hard news because the media <laughs> takes itself seriously. Self-reflective. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I just think it's really cool that... Um, can, you, uh, can you say anything about what she's doing? Is she leaving Nashville, I suppose? She hasn't necessarily told me the, the details other than just that she misses sort of being out in the field. Yeah. And I think needed some of that. So I think that she's, yeah. you know, naturally, like you're this person that's been running around doing all this for years. Uh-huh. All of a sudden you're sort of not caged, but kind of localized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Well, it's something I think, I think it happened. I mean, I've seen other examples of that at PLM before, frankly. I don't, I mean, I'm not really privy to go into a whole bunch of details about everybody's careers, but it seems to be a thing. And I think it's even a more pronounced, just because of the nature of radio and, yeah. um, um, you know, just the the clunkiness sort of of like going out into the the field as a reporter, for instance, is is a very like different thing than than being an editor in a studio or something like that. Yeah, and it's it's something like you see a lot of in journalism where you'll see somebody be like really on top of their game, doing a great job writing, and then they'll get bumped up to being an editor based on being a great writer but being a great writer doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a great editor and it certainly doesn't mean that you're going to enjoy being an editor as much as you enjoy being a writer it's sort of a universal thing that you see happen across all fields mediums like you see this uh, I'm sure you've seen it Thomas in like academia or in the art art world like people that are people that are good at things get elevated to positions of Inefficacy. There's right. a. The, I think it's called the Peter Principle. It is called the Peter oh, Principle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You elevate to you the point of your. You have a P hat on. That's right true. Now. I usually <laughs> do. You get elevated to the point of your inadequacy. Yeah. 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 It's it's definitely like uh, I mean I've seen it in the in sort of the corporate world you know where all of a sudden you're just hamstrung as a manager yeah mm-hmm. but like in, in the music world you see it all the time where it's like oh you were like a successful musician who you know also began to be a band leader role and da 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 and maybe you did it and next thing you know you're an A&R man for a label and it's like you don't necessarily know how to pick 
a successful act just because you were a successful musician or something, you know? Yeah. But where else are they supposed to come from? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's interesting. There's also this kind of, uh, <clears throat> also this um, exodus of media from Nashville, it seems like. Um, you know, things like the scene or the Tennessee and not even being printed in Nashville anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a weird idea of it being all that outsourced or those people leaving or uh, like they're going to tear down the Tennessee end now and make yeah. that Whole Foods I heard today uh, hold on wait say it again <laughs> just, my gonna, breath kind of locked in my chest for a second there that's just I read today, blowing my gonna, mind they're going to put a Whole Foods where the Tennessee end is on Broadway <laughs> and what will the Tennessee end be doing mm-hmm. I mean they I think they print that in mm-hmm. Knoxville now but they still have offices there maybe and stuff. yeah um, I heard it was going to be where the Tennessee end is so I don't know that interesting means. well it sounds like they I mean because they're not printing it there anymore, yeah. it may mean they're like, we need to downsize into sure. a cheaper space because we don't need all this room. Yeah, that's it is a sh- it is a shame though when you th- it, there was something that was really sort of special about being you know being like in a downtown where it's like you know s- people are putting the news together and they're fucking printing that right there yeah. down you know the street. What I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And all the people who were employed, you know, sure. obviously, of course. Yeah, the media situation. It's sort of like there's yeah, there's sort of an exodus happening while there's this influx of otherness, you know, whether it's just the privatization of this or that. You keep yeah. finding out these little kernels of things that are actually kind of like I just heard the, you know, and we we talk about Nashville a lot on the show. But when people listen, obviously outside of Nashville, obviously they if you listen to our show, you, you we we touch on this a lot, just how sort of bizarre it is here, um, with the explosion of everything and trying to hold on to the identity of what was so attractive about it in the first place. But at the same time, it's growing and morphing into this sort of uh, facsimile of its mm-hmm. former self in this strange way. But I mean, like even uh, you know uh, they're outsourcing whatever you know parking meters you know for like a three hundred million dollar deal right. and you know just it all it just happens in these little pieces of the infrastructure and the and the ecosystem of the city and different little parts and then before you know it you've just got a bunch of like sort of. I don't know. I'm pretty sure the mafia is involved. I would I would hope that the mafia is like waste <laughs> management. You know what I mean? Uh, but uh, but anyway, yeah. It's it's a weird thing. I mean, uh, so but you've you've been in Tennessee for the better part of your existence. But right, isn't that in terms of school and? Yeah, I, I'm not from Tennessee. Right. I, I wasn't born here, but I went to UT for undergrad. And uh, where were you from? I'm from Virginia. Oh, okay, not far. Um, where in Virginia, by the way? Like on the Virginia Kentucky border. Okay. So mm-hmm. we drive an hour and a half south to like Kingsport, Tri Cities. Got mm-hmm. it. That's where the mall was. It was very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> super rural, you know, cold country. Um, and UT seemed like the big school. Yeah. I wanted to go somewhere big. I'm so tired of living in a thousand person town. Yeah. Uh, and then I moved here, you know, in 06 or something. So I've been here for a while. Yeah. 13 years. You've seen a lot happen. Yeah, I lived in East Nashville for most of that, so mm-hmm. it's changed a lot. Is that where you are now? Mm. Okay, cool. But how long have you been teaching at MTSU? Thirteen years. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So is that really what brought you here? You got the got the gig yeah. at MTSU. Well, my wife's from here. Oh, okay, so, cool. Right on. Those two things. Yeah, and so uh, so what do you what? It's interesting because we'll get into well. Let's first talk about your work. Um, do you call yourself a multimedia artist or an installation artist? I think of you as a sculptor, yeah. but that's a weird thing in, to tra- some people. I was trained as a sculptor, and I kind of talked about myself as a sculptor, but really, I'm kind of uh, just an artist. Um, cause I don't. I do as many drawings and kind of photographs of things as I would do sculpture now. Uh-huh. Um, I think you're trained kind of directly or indirectly as a sculptor to be very kind of material oriented and like object oriented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm still that for sure. But you're doing um, a lot of drawing too in, sc- in sculpture, sculpting education. Yeah. yeah. I keep talking about myself as a, I kind of collect as an art practice, uh-huh. which is sort of a lie, but uh, there's not a complete truth, but I definitely collect a lot of stuff. Uh-huh. I'm not a collector as a person. At but all. like, tell people really quick, t- give people a sense of, you know, you've, you've done a number of installations that, I mean, in some ways, these things are. When I see these things, I know that you did them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So, um, and then we can get into talking a little bit about art fields through this. But um, what I'm talking about is you've shown these collections of various things, sure. found objects, and things like this. Yeah. Talk about a few of those, maybe, and so, kind of yeah. walk us through what that so is. You've made, you've made hoarding work for you, sort of. Yeah, yeah. But, it's, but it's selective curated <laughs> hoarding. Yeah, <it's> very, <laughs> very controlled collections. So. Yeah. Um, 
I started collecting all these things, uh, things that I thought were interesting. And um, so I collect basketballs with people's names written on them, like the owner's names, things that were touched, things that have been like altered, and all these things that kind of like trigger some sort of response to me, of course, which is not a new novel thing. Lots of artists kind of do that thing. Mm-hmm. But um, I collect American flags. I collect uh, uh, trophies. For a long time, I collected anything that was earned. <laughs> so I like this idea that you earned it, but I can buy it. Um, <laughs> So I would like scour like Goodwill for like anything that someone had earned. So I have uh, all like an these, old frame certificate, anything like that. I have all these uh, medals, uh, <laughs> trophies, and um, yeah, I've seen uh, this. this is so good. Theses and certificates, and you know, who is uh, this person in this photo? By the way, that's me. Yeah, is that you? <laughs> yeah, it's me. Can't tell. With like a looking at a photo of uh, it looks like a um, it almost looks like a. Uh, Actually, I don't even. It, it's just a, a a smattering, layered mass of metals and the the straps, and then the metals just all obscuring your your face I'm, and your chest. I'm very successful. Yeah, yeah. Just hung around his neck You're all so the way successful. up past his face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so successful. You can't even tell who I am. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So those, that's my collection of metals, which is probably half of what I have now. Um, one thing about going to Goodwill and I go to the Goodwill outlet much I mean it's not really important that where I go it's, just, I'm just, it's a place to kind of collect stuff um, like I bought like 50 Nashville Music City half marathon medals that someone was like I don't need these anymore or like you know uh, or like the organization was like these are our leftovers um, oh wow that's cool <laughs> so I love the idea maybe you can get some from the rock and roll marathon sure, this yeah. weekend um, <laughs> there's a yeah it's funny because you know someone has that medal and be like you know I trained and I earned this and I'm like yeah I bought one for like 30 cents <laughs> I also have the same proof that you have um, so anyway so uh, yeah I, I bought a lot of trophies I bought a lot of those um, and then some sort of and then I had this whole process of like conceptually like, processing that stuff I still don't know what to do with the American flags even though I have hundreds of them now uh, everything from like a four by six kind of American flag to a big American flag um, and it's an actual flag it's rules for all these things the basketballs all have to be orange of some sort. Mm. Um, no, like American flag, yeah. basketballs, that kind of stuff. Um, self-imposed rules. And then... Um, of uniformity in some way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice to have a little bit of control in that. And then um, sometimes it goes through like a process of me trying to figure out why I like the thing or mm-hmm. like what's the most interesting kind of detail of the stuff. Yeah. Um, Let's really quick, why don't we go ahead and pivot over and, t- and talk a little bit about the installation that you're going to have at Art Fields that, sure. that, start, that opens while we're doing the show. What's, what's the date today? I have no idea. 25th. I don't either. 25th today, so Art Fields will open on the 26th, mm-hmm. Friday the 26th. So, um, uh, and I just want to, you, you're talking about the basketballs that you've collected and the piece you're doing at Art Fields will, is a good like sort of segue to kind of give people a sense of what you would do with a collection like that sure. in order to turn it into a, a displayed work of right. art. So I was collecting a lot of stuff and then trying to figure out how to make it into art. Um, because even though I think that the object itself is fine, I don't think other people will kind of get the same reaction that I get from it uh-huh. by just looking at the object. So I ended up like making <laughs> That's a lot very of, interesting, man. It's, it's <laughs> purely guilt uh, in a lot of ways. Um, so I would take, I mean, make a lot of drawings of these things because that's obviously art. Drawings are art. Um, and then also I feel guilty about having to do that. Like I feel like I'm, I'm selling out because I have to like appease somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so my solution ended up being photography because it was um, it elevated it in a way and also kind of dematerialized it in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the installation at Art Fields is, is this collection of forty basketballs, which is this, the bulk of my collection. The 40 um, photos of basketballs. Photos of basketballs, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, Life size photos, so they're mm-hmm. the actual size of the. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They're sixty by twenty yeah. frames with, um, with lots of white space around. And, yeah, they're yeah. kind of floating in these kind of yeah in this kind of space. Um, uh, and all of them have like the previous owner's names written on them. So some of them are really funny the way they've written mm-hmm. their name or just their name and their phone number. Um, <laughs> some are like, yeah, if you find my ball, give me a, call me up right. and say, come get my ball. Let's <laughs> wait for someone to get prank called. Um, uh, but some are like property of so-and-so don't touch. This is mine. All stuff written <laughs> on there. Um, I just love that kind of like collective unconscious like act that everybody around the world does this thing where they like write their name on their ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, triggers this kind of response to me, this kind of physical 
uh, objectness. Um, that thing's really interesting. I I, uh, I grew up and my my parents ran. My mom ran this Western Auto store. I don't know if you guys remember Western Auto at all. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's like a little little baby Sears. Mm-hmm. Like I had auto parts, but also had toys and bicycles and stuff. So mm-hmm. I kind of grew up in that store for a long time. And then um, my grandfather owned that, and he owned a, a drugstore next door, and then a couple of buildings or a couple whatever at the end of the building. Um, so stores were kind of in there, and then when the drugstore closed, this this um, um, sporting goods store came in next door. Uh, and I remember getting off the bus for school and just kind of going through the sporting goods store being like, look at all this stuff. <laughs> Special gloves. I remember, Like baseball gloves? Yeah, or, or, no, like, or batting gloves or whatever. Oh, all okay, those kind of specialized yeah. tools for things I was yeah. really into um, for some reason. Were you into uh, sports at all? Did you yeah, play much? Yeah, sure. okay, I, mean, yeah. I played little league. I played whatever. Yeah. Played varsity tennis in high yeah. school. Um, <laughs> I still like sports. What was your record? Uh, terrible. Brian was a tennis player, weren't you? I played for a little bit. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, my thing was I got tired of team sports because we were terrible. Sure. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, I can go play another sport and do it by myself. I can right. And then I and then I won. I remember I won a tournament and then I just quit. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, fuckers. Yeah. I, I showed Achieved. you. Achieved. Yeah. 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 No, I. Uh, <laughs> Exact same thing, except for I was terrible at tennis <laughs> player. Um, I mean, you don't get a lot of pro tennis players from cold country, rural South. Um, that's a that's a valid hypothesis. Yeah, it's. I mean, we weren't good. Um, so I like sports. And I watch sports. Um, um, the drafts tonight, and I was. I'm very interested in what's going to happen with that, <clears throat> and um, NFL draft, and uh, uh, I don't know. There's <clears throat> something about that kind of like uh, specialized objects of that sporting goods store that I'm sure that is coming up now again with these objects um, I wasn't going to buy anything I just wanted to kind of touch everything in the store so how, how much of it do you think is just based in a, some sort of materialized nostalgia yeah I don't know nostalgia is a tricky term because I don't think it is this idea of like reliving my childhood um, I think I'm just tapping into the same thing I was interested in back then when I was eight years old whatever there's certain things like that like i mean i remember just yeah like being at the like the gardens i was always amazed with like the garden center not mm-hmm. necessarily just because of the greenhouses and all the plants but just the stacks of pots sure. and the, yeah just mm-hmm. the, the there's something about it the smells as, good too yeah there's something about this combined experience of uh, the assembly of the mundane yeah did you ever go to like a, a big scrapyard ever yeah uh i went there a couple times in college and was a sculpture major we always went there uh, and this, this phenomenology like seeing these things and being like look at the size of this whatever it is look at the size of this tube look at the size of the staircase look at the size of this bolt mm-hmm. that looks like kind of like unexpected objects you don't see in real life mm-hmm. or at scrapyards um, but it's kind of that the, the uh, uh, greenhouse is like this weird specialized object that you don't get to see it usually mm-hmm. you know? so you see those things are impactful yeah I can see that did you did you play basketball by the way? No. Okay. I mean, I played basketball like with my friends, but yeah, no. yeah, no. Yeah, there's something about. Um, I understand the whole notion of writing your name on a basketball because if you play a lot of basketball, you get really attached. You 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 know if it's if it's your basketball and you feel like it's working for you, mm-hmm. and you like it, and it's got a good feel and and you kind of. You know how much air is in it. You mm-hmm. know what, how it behaves. You, you know, there's some interaction that you have with it that you're familiar with, or you just like it. Once you get a good, you know, it's like I'm not gonna, especially when you end up in a gymnasium and then they're just all of a sudden something that's like you paid money for that's near and dear to you. That's like this kind of uh, whatever. All of a sudden, it's just getting bounced around with everybody else's, and then mm-hmm. you know, you're all all the guys are getting mixed up. Uh, <laughs> Do you so, have any, uh, um, yeah. uh, w- w- you know, we've had Brandon uh, Donahue on here before, and Brandon makes these great uh, basketball bloom uh, sculptures out of found yeah. basketballs. Um, I-, I wrote a piece about one of his shows and did some research into it and r- really kind of uncovered, like, a lot of, like, basketball content in sure. contemporary art. So why is that? Why? What is it about basketball? I think it's <laughs> – I don't know. I-, I mean, specifically, I don't know. Um, I mean, chairs aren't everything. You know, everybody made a chair piece. Yeah, uh, trees aren't everything. Urinals, urinals for sure. Yeah. Everybody, you know, there's these kind of enduring, yeah. simple objects that we interact yeah. with. Maybe That's there's something true. universal about it in the sense that it is circular. 
as a you know there's something sure. very just pure about a sphere mm-hmm. that is different than any, anything else yeah right not stupid football yeah yeah and it's yeah i mean it's immensely popular so yeah. it's like i mean it's, it's sitting right there in front of everyone in the right. world so everyone knows what it is why yeah, yeah. exactly you but know. it doesn't have like directionality assigned like a football yeah, right yeah. is meant to be sort of flowing through the air in a particular way yeah but something about a basketball it's just it just is yeah yeah that's true mm. i like basketballs i like baseballs that's kind of into that I don't like any of these things necessarily. I don't, I don't want to be the basketball guy yeah. or, the, or the trophy guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so no, no, no. Well, there's something we, like so not weird. There's something. It seems like there's two things that are two essences that are happening, but one of them has to do with the notion of valor, or, um, like you know, like the idea that it, it's it's clear that you get some satisfaction out of, um the disassociative qualities of these things that represent something earned where it's like, yeah, you know, I, I have, I got trophies and medals all over the place, yeah. you know? Um, so there's something about the, the earning of, of some particular value, valor. There's some, that, that's sure. sort of like a blanket kind of notion that can be represented in a lot of different ways. And you're sort of either being, you're subtracting from it mm-hmm. or you're layering on top of it, but it's all, that and then the other is a, it seems to be in in essence about um imprinting or ownership or something to, you know yeah. in, in that way I mean, there's specific objects right there are um they're elevated objects they are uh elevated in the sense that they are special right you'll get them if you do something special you'll get them if you are special uh and a lot of that's tongue-in-cheek i think in terms of Oh, like the trophies themselves. I, uh, I've collected hundreds of trophies. Uh, you know, they're the sh- shitty, uh, middle school soccer trophies that every kid had, yeah. um, or whatever, but that up to like really kind of awesome antique trophies, whatever I found at thrift stores. Um, and then wrote my name on all of them, right? With a label maker in the like simplest, dumbest way to be like, these are obviously not mine, but they're mine now. Um, yeah. Uh, and that's kind of the tongue-in-cheek part. It's like, these are, look how awesome I am, but not really. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we all know that I didn't actually earn these, but I earned all these. Well, mm-hmm. so so really what that is, and this came up uh, recently as well, um, but it's essentially it's modernism and postmodernism. Sure. At the same time. Yeah. There's, cont- there's cont- a, contending with each other in some way. <clears throat> there's a simplicity, I think, of modernism, for sure. Uh, it is what it is, right. Robert Morris does, and it's earned. Yeah, it does. You know, it's it's led and felt. It is what it is. Yeah, uh, these are these are just basketballs. I didn't do anything to them. They just are what they are. Uh, but it has this kind of like uh, breakdown of reality that postmodernism has, right? Um, kind of loss of like narrative and that kind of stuff. I didn't get this stuff, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but 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 at that point of postmodernist sort of acknowledgement of these and presentation of these objects now they're considered unique or sure. special because of context or because of just I said so or mm. or whatever yeah and th- I mean there are they're at the Goodwill outlet or whatever I mean they are trash right mm-hmm. um, in terms of elevating that kind of stuff too I've, I've like no these are special you should save these mm-hmm. in some sort of way mm-hmm. even though I know they're trash there's something interesting too i think about how you can have you can be magnetized towards so first of all there's like the notion of do objects have power right in some in some kind of um metaphysical type of way and is and how is that assigned given sustained and transferred Mm -hmm. so there's that sort of part of it and then there's certainly like i think of an appeal of um um objects like that where you're 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 kind of tapping into this imagination of who this per owner or the, who the earner or winner of this thing. Yeah, you're sort of tapping into this kind of imagination of who and what that person was, and it, in a weird way, it's kind of like a posthumous or sort of uh, otherwise uh, kind of just an honoring of the continuation of like the echoes of whatever their experience was that. Yeah, created these things mm-hmm. or made these yeah. made these things happen. Sometimes when you're at the store, like I'll be at the I'll be I'll go to Goodwill and uh, they'll be like, obviously somebody died, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's all this stuff. It's like um, 
personal photos and like some other stuff and like it's the saddest thing in the world yeah um and for a while I, I, i'll buy that stuff sometimes because it's been the same kind of like touched you know personalized stuff and it'll never be art it'll never kind of enter the art world because i'm like i don't want to do this stuff it's too personalized it's too specific to that person uh-huh. um there's too much like truth in there uh but leaving it there at Goodwill is the saddest thing I can think of. <laughs> so you like rescue it from the Goodwill and, and give it a good home. And put it in like a box <laughs> yeah. somewhere, right? I'm, I'm spending $100 a month storing garbage. Which <laughs> uh, <laughs> my wife is very nice to let me do. <laughs> How much of that? I mean, like, like this is this is part of like, certainly in photography, a lot of people understand that there's a lot of work that doesn't get seen. Like you, you, you do it over and over and over and then you're sort of going through it and finding the real nuggets of sure. thing. But you know, many artists are creating lots of work and they're doing lots of process that, that never sees the light of day, sure, so to yeah. speak. Um, so how much of that goes on with you? Like how much of that collecting and stuff is really just necessary for you to actually get to the yeah. basketballs? It seemed like um, for a while there, for sure. It seemed like part of my job. And it was nice, like, uh, you know, I have a semester where, like, my first class is at two. Uh-huh. So it became like, you know, I would do this, go get lunch, go to Goodwill, go to class. Oh, like, yeah. Every Tuesday, Thursday. So it's just like, like a shift. schedule. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh. So, like, and, you know, that changes every semester, and sometimes I don't get to do that. And once I had this, the first show with the basketballs, and so there was a show with the basketballs and the trophies and some other stuff, mm-hmm. um, I was kind of done with, like, the trophy work uh, at that point. Um. I still kind of have to keep buying basketballs if I see them, um, but uh, that, that that slowed down. That schedule kind of slowed down once that mm-hmm. point. That's, that that part of the job was over. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You ever have you ever contemplate just having a purge of just like okay, I've gleaned everything I can from this probably, particular yeah. assembled junk pile. Yeah. And so now I'm just gonna actually put all this for sure back into the ether. And it's funny, like, um, so one thing Joe and I talked about, or you talked about me early on, was this. Um, ball of karate belts oh yeah that yeah i uh had um you're reading my mind which is like you know a 18 inch 20 inch kind of sphere of karate belts um, yeah. which was my like i started but i see karate belts they were earned mm-hmm. so i started buying them as an object that's been earned um you know there's a lot of white belts a lot of yellow belts kind of early stages yeah <clears throat> and then when i first i finally found a black belt uh at that point i was like well obviously i'm done like I, I, I got yeah. the black belt. I, I earned the black belt. Yeah. Once I got the black belt, I was like, this project's over. Like, That's awesome. Took, took they this, say it takes 10 years. Yeah. yeah. How long did it take you to earn your I'll black belt? I'll say about a year, probably. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I'm a fast learner. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, at that point, like, it's easy to be like, this is, a, you know, it's tied up. It's a nice bow at the end. It's perfect. Um, the trophy piece I'm kind of done with. I've shown it since then, but I'm done buying trophies. Uh-huh. Uh, and for a long time, people were like, you know, sending me links for things. People who they knew who had like ten trophies they want to get rid of. They thought you were the up. trophy guy. Yeah, yeah. Which <laughs> is the last thing I want. Um, so uh, and now they they still do it. And I'm always like, yeah, that's cool. I don't need that anymore. Um, but some of these are kind of enduring. They're kind of. I'm not quite done with the, tr- with the basketballs. I'm not tr- quite done with some other stuff. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and then something I buy lots of random stuff too. I don't like fit into those kind of other categories and then I'm slowly going through those things in terms of process going through mm-hmm. those things finding similarities and figuring out uh-huh. like why it, why I like these things let me uh, let me pin you down for two questions what is the name of this suite of basketball photographs yeah. uh, names are tricky <laughs> that's what it's called names no. are tricky it's like <laughs> it's like every show I apply to it's like somewhat different I do I change them all the time yeah. too yeah. I, if I if I like a lot of the photos I've got, like, you know, like theoretically they're being sold in an edition. And yeah. once I've sold a copy of something and called it something, I feel a little obligated to to stick to that for the sure. next one because yeah. everybody's supposedly vying the same thing, essentially. Yeah. But until that happens, I feel like <laughs> yeah. that name sucks. I'm changing that right. name. I, I do it all the time. So sometimes names are not important. Like yeah. the trophies I, I keep calling uh, just one of my <clears throat> just one of my many honors. Mm-hmm. Um and there's, there's, one, there's one trophy kind of the front that's kind of like perfect little cup that on it I wrote that with a label maker and then the rest of them all have my name uh, but the basketball collection that's called basketball collection basketball collection that's yeah. cool and now, now the other question I want to ask you is where are you showing at Art Fields so I'm in the Rob oh you're in the Rob yeah. building too yeah. okay I just know that you're in there our friend Sisavon is right. in there who teaches painting I yeah. believe she teaches painting down at MTSU with yeah, you uh, I'm in there and I, I think there's a uh, um there's a couple of other Nashvilleians who are in it. Um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna name them here in a minute. Uh, but I saw there was probably like yeah eight or nine Tennesseans. Yeah, probably. Yeah, and then there's it's, people from all over. It's a it's southern a, show. Yeah, it's it's a huge space. Yeah, the Rob itself is uh, like a big industrial factory type ish building. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know here would be a brewery or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, or like Lusk, and uh, if you took out Lusk and and um, Zeitgeist and have one big building with that kind of structure with this kind of like mm-hmm. beams and stuff. It's like that. It's yeah. all been rehabbed. It's really nice, and it's essentially like an event space, right? Yeah, it's really awesome. And they're just taking it over for the for the art yeah. festival. and uh, it's it's interesting. If you go to Lake City, um, to the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. uh, but you're like, whoa! How do you guys have money? Because mm-hmm. um, like it's like you know, run down rural town, run uh-huh. down rural town. So people can understand this. There's a there's a thing called Art Prize up in Michigan at Grand yeah. Rapids that essentially set up this model years ago where they have a big art festival like all over the city, mm-hmm. public spaces, private spaces, restaurants, you name yeah. it. And then uh, they also have a giant prize money pool available and there's all sorts of juries and public voting and stuff and ultimately a lot of these artists end up getting thousands right. of dollars worth of prizes right. in addition. So that's a kind of a model that happened. Art Fields is doing that for the South. Yeah, exactly the same. Yeah. So, so they've had money donated to them mm-hmm. um uh lots of money apparently it's an undisclosed amount of money according, according uh-huh. to the internet um but obviously a lot of money so when you go yeah. there like they're redoing landscaping they're redoing buildings they're doing all wow. that stuff. it's really That's amazing awesome and then, i think how much is is there like two hundred thousand available in prizes for this whole thing yeah or 160 150 yeah. or something yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 it's a lot of money yeah yeah I, I think if any person who lives in that town if you told them there's 150 thousand dollars <laughs> in prize money they'd be like very surprised (laughs) does your cv have um your cv should just be a list of assumed accolades from the trophies that you've collected (laughs) yeah i won the seventh grade uh i do have like this awesome like old one awesome in the sense that like uh i always try to separate this like it's it's actually old and interesting in that Uh kind of like aesthetic way um like metro middle school science fair from the 70s like metro schools um that obviously just fizzled out at some point Mm-hmm. But it's a big tall one that's like every year is on there but it's like I won for like 15 years in a row mm. they're, they're all on there <laughs> I don't know why I was just having a flashback of memory you just triggered something but basically I was just remembering how in I was 7th grade science and we had our science projects and you have to do the big presentation or whatever and one of the kids in my class apparently his dad was in the sludge business mm. and that was how I learned about sludge <laughs> I mean how how did we learn about sludge yeah, like you know, well, so okay, how much of it is just shit, and then what, and then there's what, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wanted to tell you guys that Randy Purcell is another artist from yes. Nashville that I that I uh, wanted to mention in terms oh, of yeah. people who are going to art fields, and I want to tell you that podcast I couldn't remember earlier is called Snap Judgment. Oh <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, trying way too. They're, they're, uh, they're yeah. scary. They're scary. Uh, Halloween season podcasts are uh, are mm. really what I'm pointing to. Randy Purcell, MTSU alum. <laughs> That's right. Randy Purcell. That yeah. Is, yeah, there's this whole MTSU connection. Yeah. You guys are very well represented in this show. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's, it's got a lot of... Um, that's the one that has like all the sort of little beat interludes, doesn't it? Snap Judgment? Uh, yes. It's, yeah. It's like pride, it prides itself on sort of these... like It's kind of swaggery. Yeah, and there's like a, yeah. there's like a more of like a narrator like narrator and segments going on like it all feels like separate in like a different and way guided than, yeah then yeah. it feels more like an anthology than yeah. than like it's a wonderful life just sort of moves around but stays sort of tighter in some weird way i don't know mm-hmm. i don't think we even talk about this on the air but we, we're, 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 earlier we were just uh, criticizing uh, public radio broadcast uh, podcasting uh, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not criticizing we're just differentiating yeah. sure and just saying that you know i think it's great that they put a lot of time and effort with their big budgets and yeah the spare time that they have to, to do all that <laughs> um, good for them and you know but for me it is yeah uh, what i think is cool is that there's just uh there's all these different ways to shape and form it now and i'm just amazed right. i'm just amazed that uh people just will straight listen to something anymore yeah or, or it's almost like in a weird way slid into the sort of background of the distraction culture mm-hmm. um you know it becomes like this kind of underpinning where it's like mm-hmm. that's actually something that people can 
do because it's like the bedrock for multitasking or right or for whatever yeah. so you know whoever's listening right now like how many other things are you doing at the same time right you know where are you driving yeah 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 that's my big one is like when i'm driving a lot of time i mean if you're working if you're doing like writing and things like that you really can't listen to people talking i mean it just throws your whole brain off so and you have to just listen to jazz cool jazz smooth jazz cool jazz <laughs> <laughs> i listen to stuff that the things that calm me down or make me feel sort of centered mm -hmm. are usually things that make like other people feel completely insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lost Slayer. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they're coming here soon for their Is last show in Tennessee ever. Oh, are they like doing like a farewell tour? There's like a uh, so out you know so. Um, Bonnaroo is you know a big thing here in Tennessee Bonnaroo. and out there somewhere in the Manchester area mm -hmm. there's this kind of people sort of jokingly refer to it as metal roo um, but it's basically I forget what it's called it's got some kind of name but it's like a three or four day thing and it's gonna be you know Def Leppard or whatever you know kind of stuff sure um, but Slayer is playing Dockin'. and it will be Man, that's that's one band I never saw that I would really like Slayer? to see. Yeah, I, and, and I was cool. I've told the story too that where I was I didn't even know they were playing in Nashville the last time they played at Municipal Auditorium, mm. and I was just driving home from something. That's a good place to and see. And I was Slayer. at the stoplight, and I just saw the marquee, and it was like Slayer tonight. I saw all the people outside, and I was just like, holy shit! Like I'm I going. should just pull over right now. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> like what a funny call to have with the wife. Like I'm sorry, I was on my way home. Hey, I'm gonna be late. You got to stop in. I'm just popping in to see Slayer real quick, and then I'll head home. Um, I don't know why I didn't do it. I should have I done it. <laughs> but that would that would be like a nice because okay, they're still really good. Sure. Um, have you seen Slayer no, before? I'm not. Seen Are you Slayer. interested in Slayer at all? I'm not interested in paying money. Yeah, for sure. Slayer. Right, yeah. Well, I guess I ultimately wasn't either. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, so uh, totally. Uh, let's just do a little detour for a minute. But um, but I saw um. Uh, the band Sun on Saturday night, this last Saturday night. Exit No, I saw them at the Caves. So again, mm. like out of Manchester, mm. people that aren't from around here, there's a place called the Caverns, and it's that's a, amazing. It's an underground cave, literally, and that's been kind of finished out in a rough format. Um, and they have shows there, typically more acoustic, songwritery, and bluegrass yeah. type of mellow things, and it's kind of natural environment i mean it's it's quite decked out i mean they've got you mm -hmm. know you can get your vegan burritos and your artisanal beers and all that stuff yeah. but at the same time it's it's a cave mm -hmm. uh but is it, is, are the acoustics weird is it no it actually was quite good okay yeah um i was wondering yeah well i think a lot of it's just because there's no right angles of any kind anywhere so you know the sound is really naturally i think evened out mm -hmm. uh, acoustic wise and but, they've uh, got they've got pa down there so listen to this okay so so sun is a group that came out of seattle in the late 90s that's still doing this thing and then these guys that you know they are you know they play with a lot of notable normcore acts you know uh you know Sufjan stevens or katie lang or you know like like these guys are all kind of session guys that uh, not all of them, but some of them. Anyway, the point is, they come into this place. Okay, it's Saturday night. It's like the equinox. It's full moon. It's Saturday night. Mm -hmm. You know, going up against Easter here or whatever. And uh, and four twenty. Yeah, they're kind bro. of a slow, muddy weed metal band. Well, it's, <laughs> it's basically just it's just black metal ambient mm -hmm. with no drums. It's mm. just guitars and a few like sort of bass pedal synthesizer type things that you mm -hmm. can't even really tell that that's what's going on but essentially there's it's just a wall of electromagnetic chaos uh -huh. uh, but beautifully presented but it's yeah it, it gave me so much hope though because to see that these guys like these guys are truly sort of architects of sound in this way that is really at the, on, on a surface level I mean they they come in they're wearing like rope they all look like druids it, look, it feels <laughs> like you're, you're awesome. in spinal tap right right <laughs> and then, then they get up there and it's just you know and they have their bottles of wine and and everything about their movements is very slow and, and they don't talk to the audience at all and and then they just start in with these like slow like it might take them two minutes to complete a three chord progression because the sound is just like um, and we were fortunate enough to have uh, you know passes so I was like front 
like right just right there it was like there was nobody else there for mm-hmm. me in my, our experience and uh but here's the thing so you were asking about the sound so we ran into one of the guys who does the, does the backline stage power and all that stuff for the for that venue and he, he you know my friend is a friend of his and and the guy was like he's like if you touch the wires on stage they're scalding hot these guys are running more power he's this guy has like done power for all these metal bands all through like the last 30 years mm-hmm. he was like these guys are running more power in this cave right now for just guitars than metallica did for an eighty thousand person stadium oh, show yeah. oh my god so it's the loud and their whole thing is like it's the loudest live music that you can possibly like it's crazy like earplugs and ears are still ringing but you f- it like you feel it through your whole body uh-huh. uh so anyway it was it was profound so again, yeah, it just kind of gave me some faith though because it was like the people there you that know, love that music they, it's so counter to every other bit what's funny is that most people would categorize it as noise but really it's quite the opposite it's it's like it was the most tranquil mm-hmm. just brooding sort of chaos I mean of sheer like mag like the volume and just the 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 sheer uh sort of velocity of everything like the insides of your body are mm. shaking right and they and they do this they play for like two and a half hours mm-hmm. and there's nothing really happening in many ways right they're playing in the microtones and they're uh in the in the way that they're droning everything um but like a whole place full of people like standing and just absorbing it and just like having it and then that was it you know <laughs> and everybody leaves it it's was like this weird like <clears throat> it's, not, it's not just uh, music for your ears it's music for your like body it's like this whole performance or or a, a spectacle i guess that's kind a, of a happening or yeah, something. yeah yeah there's this, um, I mean, artist. they make records, and the records are sure. good too, and they're extremely well produced. And so you, people might know, like the band Earth, like there are some of the guys are from Earth, mm-hmm. or you know, there's some crossover and some of this. But anyway, go ahead. There's uh, uh, I, won't, I don't remember her name exactly. Um, her name is Marianne Arbacher or Armbacher. I don't remember her name exactly. She died uh, maybe like four years ago. She was a, a sound artist. Uh, I remember her coming when I was in grad school to like do a lecture, which was more of a performance because she was a sound artist. Uh, and she would do this thing where she would she would play the note that was the resonant frequency of like your eardrums uh, so it would make your eardrums vibrate in a weird way uh, so where it wasn't really sound it was like your the I know exactly what you're talking it about it was making your yep. eardrums make the noise uh-huh. so like, it was like super loud but if you covered your ears instantly it was quiet um, but it sounds like it's in, it's coming from inside your head yeah because you're, yeah. you're it's hard to say because all sound makes your eardrums vibrate. But uh, it's, I know what you're saying though. There's something like where there, all of a sudden there's like a weird kind of tunnel vision, weird blackout point of like I can't tell if this is coming at me or coming yeah. from me. It was a weird experience. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's weird to be like so loud this whole auditorium, but you could just cover your ears and be like have a conversation with somebody if you wanted to. Because yeah, it was making you make the noise somehow um, versus like sitting out noise. Yeah, it was well, crazy. Well, I, th- I think um, there's so many things, uh, ways to, like, imagine if you could do this. I guess people do it with light, you know, like oh, um, sure. Olafur Eliasson or people like, the, I don't know. James Terrell. James Terrell. Yeah, there you go. Um, uh, you know, you can you can do things that are out of bandwidth of perception yeah. that are still arguably perceived. Mm-hmm. Or you can do things that are, like in sound, you can do like what's called phase cancellation, right? Like, you know, you can purposefully hit frequencies that are inverted right. against each other like to noise then, canceling headphones right yeah yeah and so if you do that selectively across a spectrum and yeah. whatever frequencies you choose right you can create these kind of um it's almost like putting sound through a waffle maker or something <laughs> but uh but anyway so uh james yeah. Terrell talks about how there are um in his lecture he talks about how there are nerve centers on your back that can sense color it's, uh, it's not just an optical thing it's a nerve thing um, so you can they can shine super intense. I don't know the details, obviously. Uh, super intense color, and you can like, tell it's blue or red or whatever. Yeah, and so for any listeners that aren't f- familiar with James Terrell, uh, your city probably has one of his works somewhere at this point. But um, he basically plays with with light and space in a really interesting way. Um, but the thing I'm most interested in that he's been working on for what like 30 years yeah. is. Uh, He's got a, it's called the Rodin Crater. And basically the guy bought in the 70s a crater 
in Arizona. As people do. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, you pick up trophies. This guy was like, I'm going to just save a little bit and then get a crater. Yeah. Uh, no, but uh, so he's got this crater and it's, he's been developing this. Um, I suppose it's like an installation, but it's, it's the vastness of it is hard to explain. But essentially what he does is he's got it to where it's there's all the subterranean access inside of this crater at various points. And then he is working with uh, celestial or uh, otherwise, like different types of light that are emanating. He could, he's figured out ways to sort of accelerate and decelerate and resequence light mm-hmm. in ways that it hits you. And so you're going to be underground, you know, whenever this thing opens, right? It's mm-hmm. going to be, I mean, obviously it's like his, his passion project, his life work will be like all objectified in this one giant crater and all the things he's doing there if you go look at it online you can look at it as r-o-d-i-n uh rodent rodent crater it's 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 uh, one it, on my bucket list is to experience eventually that. yeah yeah i'm pretty sure either that project or a similar project but i'm pretty sure kanye just donated a bunch of money to him really for this project yeah I saw that headline. What? And I, and I meant to click on it, so obviously this could be, I don't know, whatever. Could be like The Onion. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying it's 100% true, but I saw it. I can kind it's of see harder that and harder, man. It's yeah. harder and harder. Kanye's got a bunch of money. He doesn't yeah. know what to do with all that money. Yeah. He's got a church now. He's got a lot of stuff. Um, and also going back to the, every town has a has a uh, James Terrell. We were in Berlin like three years ago, four years ago, uh, my wife and I, uh, which is an awesome city if you've never been to Berlin. Um, and we're like wandering around and we ended up going through this graveyard uh, which was super cool uh, it, sounds, it sounds morose but it was super cool oh, yeah, um, I like graveyards too so we're like wandering through this graveyard and like each plot is like a little garden like individual garden people do different plants on each one which is part of the cool part and then it's like a big mausoleum you can see like bullet holes and stuff in the mausoleum that kind of stuff mm. um, but then there's also a church connected to it so we're just walking around that church is there and there's a big sign because it's under construction and I don't speak German, but I'm like looking at the sign and you can tell, I can pick out enough to say that the redesign has this James Terrell quality to it. He's helping redesign this church to have this kind of, you know, every church from medieval on has been talked about how, how to use lights, right? Mm-hmm. That's the impetus of Gothic architecture and all this stuff um, to get more and more light into the into the space. Uh, so it's interesting to have like pulling this artist to do the same kind of like Mm-hmm. contemplate how to use light in, in the sanctuary of a church mm-hmm. um, so I always imagine going back and seeing that someday yeah what, what James Terrell's have you have you guys seen I've seen a bunch uh, it was the, the mattress factory in Pittsburgh um, has a bunch of permanent stuff and that's where I went to grad school um, uh-huh. so I lived in Pittsburgh for a long time uh, or for a while and, uh, and, and the most impactful piece of his I've seen there because he has things where like you go into a room and it takes like 15 minutes for your eyes to kind of get sensitive enough to see the work mm-hmm. that kind of stuff but uh, during the big show of his um, there was a thing called uh, gas works it was like this big sphere and they had a drawer that comes out and you lay on the drawer and they put you back into the sphere what um, so you're in this kind of like so, sort of like a sensory deprivation tank but the opposite it like sounds a, so made it's up it's like a psychedelic morgue <laughs> 100% it's a, um, it's a psychedelic morgue but what happens is you know that uh, there's a name for this but I don't know it um, where LSD? you like <laughs> sort of yeah. uh, when you put your uh, fingers on your eyes and you can like see blobs mm. of color yeah mm-hmm. so what happens is I'm sure they're pumping in like oxygen or something in their space too uh, but the, but there's such crazy saturated, saturated <laughs> light in there that you're, it overwhelms your eyes to where those things start happening with your eyes open weird kind of blurs of color and like mm. um, almost like hallucinations almost like hallucinations yeah. have like, you done the float tank I'm not no it definitely is a, a situation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this is in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, yeah. You get put in a drawer and inserted into a giant sphere that is a Dame, James Terrell yeah. installation. And then you start hallucinating. How do I not know <laughs> about this? And well, what, that, yeah, how that, do I get signed up? That piece is not there anymore. It, was, it had a show and then like, uh, there's like five permanent pieces that are there, still there from that mm, show. Right. Um, there's a whole, yeah, floor of like James Terrell stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a, it was a, crazy experience go yeah. through that so he has one here at Cheekwood yep in Nashville um, that is like a subterranean and I think the, the road it's like crazy. the crater you I mean it's basically like a constructed version a of this crater of like, a, like a really yeah. minimum viable prototype yeah, yeah, yeah. where you're, you're you're inside of a, a cylindrical building with a hole in the ceiling and because there's light inside and and only daylight outside like 
as it becomes sundown, it looks like it's nighttime until you go outside and realize the sun's still right. up. And I mean, that's one of the effects. It also like flattens the view of the sky out and makes it's, it more like a canvas, essentially. Just, just color. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and it's weird, like yeah. warm light inside and kind of cool yeah. light coming and it's, through. It's for, for people who don't get this, it's like, it's sort of like in, when you, when you're inside at night and you turn the light on and you can't see outside anymore because, right. because of the way the light the yeah, inside lights, it. you yeah. know, yeah. do this, and then you turn the light off, and all of a sudden you can see across the street outside again because because that's how your eyes weird work. Breakdown, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's part of what he does to get those weird effects. Yeah, yeah. It was so, um, so yeah. There's that one here. The, the the other one that comes to mind that he did that I've seen that was just really impacting was the one at uh, the Museum of Fine Art in Houston. I don't know if you've been there at all. Mm-hmm. Essentially, the the museum is essentially like on two separate city blocks with a little street that comes in between. So they they had to do a, a tunnel that oh. connects the two mm-hmm. buildings. And so he did uh, the tunnel. And it's it really, it, it's kind of like you're in 2001, A Space Odyssey or something. Cause it's just this long, they have to have somebody down there all the time that just watches people because it's a walkway um, that's just like a long, like maybe it's 15 feet wide, uh, black, sort of uh, matte walkway that just goes on into like this kind of looking sort of towards an infinity because you're walking a good way on this path essentially but it, it doesn't have any railing and it's actually up off the ground a little <laughs> bit maybe like a couple of feet or a foot and a half or uh-huh. something like not enough where like you would get seriously injured well I guess you still could but that that's why they have somebody there uh, and then everything's just this um, array sort of around it that actually changes colors Oh, wow. slowly morphs through some sort of spectrum I as just, you go I want to get it. on all fours and just crawl right now because yeah. I'm totally confused already. Yeah. <laughs> Is it like um, Vertigo-ish? Yeah. If it was faster, maybe? Yeah, yes, yes. And then, but the thing that's weird too is you can't, your your senses don't tell you that you can fall off of the side mm-hmm. of the thing. It doesn't feel, it feels like it's just all part of one mm-hmm thing mm-hmm. uh and only until you're really up close and looking down at your feet and kind of really judging what's going on but if you're just if your eyes are on the horizon you can't tell mm-hmm. like what what is what uh but, <laughs> but the colors are so that's like, cool profound and really yeah. just rich and then the way that they're kind of not gated but sort of in bookended uh from one end of the tunnel to the other is really special too so anyway that's the one that sort of sticks out uh yeah to me um but yeah i between between him and and Sam Kiefer, I feel like those are the those are some of the most. Uh, I don't know. I just appreciate these people that are working on these these levels of scale that are purely monumental yeah. um, that they've earned, right? Like they've stepped all the way through their whole lives to get to these points. Um, yeah. So is is that something you feel like the like how does scale work for you? For sure, I, yeah. have, I have a hard time now where like I've applied for a couple shows. Um, and it's like there's always a size requirement in these shows and they're like it's 60 inches by whatever inches I'm like I have nothing to show you I can show you a little piece of something I made but everything I've been making lately are just kind of super large projects um, so it's been tricky a little bit you know Art Fields has been great because they, they I think they embrace that kind of like large piece mm-hmm. aspect um, but I'm just now realizing that I need to make some smaller stuff maybe uh, <laughs> or some single things uh, so I've been making some drawings um and trying to, you know, pare things down a little bit. Um, it's hard. I got, there's something about the kind of like um, uh, uncanniness of something that's so large and so overwhelming, multiples of things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, is so powerful and so interesting to me. Um, and you lose that when you have like, you know, a drawing or a photograph. <laughs> I'm so interested in that phenomenon. Uh-huh. What is your schedule like? So you're 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 teaching at MTSU, but obviously school's about to get out. So uh, today's the first day of no school. Oh, today's the first. Oh, well, congratulations! Yeah. Wow. I was surprised. thanks. You're yeah. not even drunk. I was going to yeah. say. I'd say I, I would be like, I can't be there that day, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know where I'll be. Yeah, <laughs> but I won't be here. That's cool. So what? So what happens in the summer? Do you are you off for the summer or? I'll I'm I'm off. I uh-huh. uh, will teach three weeks in June for. Um, governor school uh-huh. school kids uh-huh. um the sculpture class for the governor school which i've done for um 10, so that's real smart kids yes. smart high schoolers in tennessee yes smartest, smartest best most talented yeah they they do some advanced p advanced placement yeah. stuff in the summertime they, with college with, credit yeah. yeah cool so i've got a, i've got a question from a, a 
um, human being that had a really interesting question or kind of two questions in one. This might be your colleague. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I believe that it is. Um, and some of it's a little bit hard to understand, So, um, but I've got a, um, a handy-dandy Google translation in case we have any need to go back and examine <laughs> what is actually being said here. But, uh, but have a listen, and then uh, you have to answer it because uh, I think this is somebody that you know. Sure. So you can't just say pass. All right. Tennessee. John Donovan. Uh, calling to leave a question for Thomas Sturgill. Um, having spent some time working with him over the last few years, um, there is an appearance of calm, uh, dare I say, balance uh, between studio practice and teaching and family um, demands. If the first part of my question is, uh, is that indeed true that such a balance exists, um, or is it a well-maintained facade? <laughs> um, if true, the second part of the question would be, are there any personal practices or habits um, that Thomas uh, uses on a routine basis to help maintain that uh, three-tiered balance between studio activity and teaching and family and that's my question thanks all right yeah um yeah for sure uh there's obviously balance in the sense that n nobody's upset with me right uh my family's not upset with me any more than my school's upset with me <laughs> any more than uh my artwork i guess would be upset with me um uh here's a couple things real fast uh, it helps that my wife is also an artist. Mm -hmm. um, so our whole house is kind of a studio in a way, uh, which, uh, so like the kitchen table could be full of whatever at any point, um, some sort of project that I'm working on or whatever. Um, we have a very small house, but you know, stash things wherever. Um, but I also have like a, a, a storage space in the back. I don't really have a studio uh, in, in the conventional sense, in the romantic awesome movie sense of a studio um, <laughs> like I don't go and check into my studio which I would love to do but I don't have that um, what happened in terms of that I realized in terms of balance that was maybe um, um, not planned but you know, developed over time was that was the idea of like starting to make drawings um, it was hard to make sculptures hard to like if I make something I'll make it at school where we have a wood shop and a steel you know steel shop or whatever um I started like that, you know, I bought my house and, and, and had a shed, whatever. I was going to my table saw and I bought my whatever. And then some, some point I was like, I don't need these things. We have a much better version at school I could use. Um, <clears throat> so my solution, and, and it's a 45 minute commute to, to school in Murfreesboro, um, is I could make little drawings and take them with me and like work on there and bring them back. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do that with a big sculpture of some sort. Um, and at the same time, I also had this kind of realization where uh i'm collecting all the stuff but also i don't um i don't want stuff like i don't i don't need to make something else that's going to live in the world and be like just stored forever um so in undergrad i made a lot of things that like broke themselves and at that point i would take them back apart and like remake new stuff huh. uh, and that's kind of i still have that mentality in some ways um so this idea of making like precious objects was like a, a new thing to me this idea of like enduring precious things i kind of started in grad school and then kind of continued here a little bit um but I, I didn't draw very much until i moved to nashville um i was always you know good at drawing uh so it's super good yeah um, but then uh uh it became a, a necessity to like figure out how i would make stuff also i was making work about pittsburgh when i lived in pittsburgh and then i moved to nashville and i was like i can't make work about pittsburgh anymore because that's, that's silly um and drawing was kind of the solution to that in a way too. Um, so just being modular in your mediums. Yeah. And so I also started this project once again, kind of in terms of evolution, not in terms of, you know, being smart, um, where I would make, I was making, uh, kind of processing all this stuff I had, right. A lot of it was 2d or imagery or things I could sort of collage together. Um, uh, and I would always make it this like 12 by 14 shape. I was, that was like just a given. I'm like, the thing I'm going to make is 12 by 14. And I used that kind of like a sketchbook to be like 
to work through ideas and then things were super super important or super precious and they could be failures if i wanted them to be i could stop um and then i had a show at lipscomb a couple of years ago um that had i was framed all those 12 by 14 objects and they were all like individual kind of acts or individual kind of um attempts at something um one little simple investigation of something um it was kind of that, that, that sort of like collection that kind of um sketchbook kind of blown out um and those 12 by 14 is really easy to take back and forth um i had like one frame i'll just take with me and like store it in that one frame the whole time so it's what i worked on so to bring back up the, the the question uh from the listener is uh it seems like what the answer is it is it's a well-maintained facade <laughs> everything is yeah <laughs> all of life is if i learned anything from the matrix it's just a well uh-huh. maintain facade um <laughs> also john john's a former colleague he uh he escaped uh now he's he's on the outside living the life of a free man yeah i wasn't aware of that i thought he was still down there teaching mm-hmm. he um left last year this, oh, this okay. year this, this, this oh okay yeah this first year not there it's mm-hmm. been sad sad not to have him around mm-hmm well um so if if we want to try to get uh everybody to uh, see everything that you've been talking about in person. How do we get people to do that? What, do we need, what information do we need to arm them with? Uh, uh, in terms of art fields, um, and that could, starts tomorrow. Starts tomorrow I, the twenty sixth and goes of through April. next weekend. Yeah, uh, in Lake City, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody listening in Lake City, yeah, right yeah, now, exactly. all four of you, go yeah. listen or around there, Florence. You could be from get nearby. your get your daffodils yeah. ready. Uh, there's, you know, there's plenty of people probably from Nashville who might be heading oh, sure, up there. Oh, sure, yeah. It's a big deal. I yeah. mean, there's 200 some, 400 some artists. I don't remember the Yeah, it's, it's a massive show. Um, it's all over town. And then uh, I have a website, numberoneartist.com, which is all, no, <laughs> once again, super tongue-in-cheek. Uh, N-U-M-B-E-R-O-N-E? Yeah, O-N-E. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, artist.com. Yeah, numberoneartist.com. Uh, I was looking at websites one time and... That's why I bought that. That was like waffling between that and um, I could buy uh, like Leo Castelli dot gallery, which would be really funny. Uh, which is probably better to have it a little more personalized and piggyback on Leo Castelli. <laughs> That's funny though. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so how does your wife take to the fact that you've declared yourself? You're both artists, but you've declared yourself number one. Yeah, well, she's fine. She's okay. She knows the truth. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, so, Joe, do you got any things you want to plug real quick or anything you got going uh, on? Art Fields starts on the 26th, and I, I've got a yeah. photo at the Rob building uh, where where, uh, where Thomas and, and our other friends are going to be at. And um, uh, Oh, and I found out today that I'll be in the Art of the South as well. So the Art of the South will be at Col- Memphis College of Art at the end of May. Cool. Yeah. And what's what's going to be in that? Um, another photo, but a, like one that I only took like a couple months ago. Is it a Pikes piece? It's yeah. It's uh, it's a it's a bunch of uh, painted tires outside of a mechanic shop. <laughs> <laughs> Is that <a> Galton? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you know what I'm talking I about? I'm talking about yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, uh, yeah. It just I took it a couple weeks ago. I was just I every time I drive by there, it must have been somebody who worked there had like a little gray car parked in front of it and I just and I and I was just like I gotta just keep my eye on these tires because I gotta get this photo <laughs> and then one Sunday my wife and I were driving down there and we're talking about whatever we're talking about and I'm just like I see the tires coming up on my right I'm going south on Gallatin and I see the tires coming up and it's Sunday so there's nobody there and I'm just like this is the moment. I'm just yeah. like pulling over I'm like I gotta take this photo and yeah so it's just it, it's kind of uh I'm I'm really glad that I got that news today because it's 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 always cool. Like if you're taking photos and stuff, it sucks if like you like got a good photo a couple of years ago, but like all your photos kind of suck now. Yeah. But I really like this photo, and I'm really excited that they were like we're going to put that in exhibit. It's good to have a feeling of in, <laughs> input and output. Like it's, as fast as this happened, yeah. it's getting out in as much some as, way. Yeah. Yeah, and as much as you, you ultimately have to just do what what you have to be the judge of it. That's kind of the. 90% of you being an artist is yeah. you knowing the difference mm-hmm. but I think that it's also nice when it's like 
yeah, other people also resonate with this thing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's certainly helpful. <laughs> well, um, well, on that note, uh, yeah, if, if you want to support this podcast, thank you for listening. You can go to anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast. And there's a button that says support this podcast. And then you can say, hey, uh, I'd like to donate 99 cents a month. And then it makes things a little easier for us. And this is how we're going to get rich. So um, be um, be a shill. Be a soulless, mindless shill uh, on our behalf. And just start throwing us money. And then, uh, you know, maybe you'll get something back from it. Maybe you won't. Yeah. But we're going to keep making the podcast. Good karma. Karma, yeah. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, it does. It does. Uh, Number know, one karma. Yeah, if if we're ever going to get to the point where we are, uh, you know, uh, employing a staff of uh, writers, contriving lots of uh, sort of movements and stories, and having a cura- yeah. curated uh, um, episodal crime story content uh that's the only way we can get there people yeah so, clearly um, hey, that's our angle we're right. ultimately going to do another crime story that's content right. That's uh, right. podcast um but hey thomas really appreciate thank it thank you uh good yeah. luck with all the things uh coming up here in the, in the near future and yeah uh, man good luck with your campaign and and uh, uh in lake city oh, I, yeah. hope, I hope you get a thousand votes or whatever yeah. you need <laughs> you, should, you should do a you should do a photo diary of your kitchen table I'm sounds like a thousand times <laughs> there you go <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, appreciate it, everybody we're out later <laughs>